Chapter Eleven of A Month on the Norfolk Broads on board the Wherry Zoe and its tender, the Tub Lotus, by Walter Rye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Down the Norwich River to Yarmouth. When at Norwich, we stayed, as all sane men do who frequent that ancient city, at the Maid's Head that coziest of old-fashioned houses admired mr webster's wall garden and old carved oak bar and were put au courant with the affairs of the city by balls the coffee-room waiter who i need hardly say had several new anecdotes for our entertainment for two or three days we wandered about the city and did as visitors to it generally do sauntering at our leisure through the cathedral listening to the band in the upper square in the close and taking the air from the castle hill wasting our money in the various curiosity shops looking at the outside of gerald's and the inside of hunt's bookshops inspecting the occupants of the cattle market with a wise air which however did not impose on either the beasts or their owners and lounging away half saturday in and about the market-place the gentleman's walk and the back of the inns nor did we forget mousehold heath nor a hasty half-day at cromer by the monday however with the message that the boats were lying at what he called Trouse Eye, meaning thereby Trouse Hythe. As our holiday time was getting a bit short, we were not sorry to have our last few days on the water. So we outfitted once more, and filling our hampers, this time at Snelling's in Rampant Horse Street, which is a capital place for boating men for the owner knows exactly what is best to take and supplies excellent stuff including superlatively good fruit and tomatoes we took a fly and drove down to thorpe i will not describe thorpe as the hmm of norfolk the simile is too hackneyed and it is not truth to tell in the least like the surrey village in question still it is very pretty with its old river and its waterside gardens with their dipping willows and greenery and if the authorities allow the cursed tram-line to run to it as it is rumoured they will utterly spoil one of the prettiest corners in the eastern counties certainly i know of no local hostelry so well placed or so thickly covered with creepers roses clematis honeysuckle variegated ivies dutchman's pipe and so forth it used to be a tea-garden come music hall and i remember assisting at a function there where a man walked the tightrope over the river emitting fireworks from all conceivable angles of his body till i trembled lest he should be blown into the water 
and where an imported vocalist delighted my youthful mind by the readiness with which he rebuked an interrupting imitator with the simple and self-denying remark one fool at a time sir if you please het wark was the sign of the riverside house against whose stave our jollies were lying not being a dutchman i don't know what those words mean which stand under a blue boar some say it is that pig others hot work but i have no opinion on the subject hot work indeed has been seen here for within a short gunshot of the garden ten years ago happened the most gruesome railway accident ever known in england when two express trains met on a single line of rails while the unhappy man who had sent them on by mistake ran frantic about norwich station unable to prevent the horror which he had caused we were soon put off and at home on the boats again and though it was late on thursday night nothing would suit the skipper but that we should make a start and quant a hundred yards or so that night to avoid the terrible responsibility of starting on a friday the sweet chimes of the bells in the new steeple of thorpe church and the flickering flashes of the electric light from coleman's works helped to please us as well as the quietude of the river hardly broken by the trading wherries sliding down with their ghostly sails to the sea all the night as they sailed over the deep black pool under the trees where so many good men and fair women have been drowned at one time and another next morning we were up and away early with a rare sailing wind the weather being cold and cloudy and were not long before we rounded the corner by coleman's beautiful grounds and made for whitlingham reach to our right we saw the high wooded ground surmounted by the round towered ruins of whitlingham church and i tried to remember how much more than a quarter of a century ago it was that at a picnic in its chancel i went through the ceremony of marriage with a gushing young thing over whom i now have no proprietary rights for has she not married a firm of linen drapers and assumed many airs and graces accordingly passing the monkey house and crown point the scene of harvey's ruin and suicide the skipper entertained us with a strange ghost story how harvey's ghost walks or rather sits on every moonlight night on a favourite garden seat which the dead man was accustomed to use with his head bowed in his hands sighing and sighing the long night through this led to a long conversation which brought out the various myths as to his sad end prevalent in the district which were of the curious character usually connected with sudden and tragical deaths posset grove with its steep green hill dotted with trees 
pleased us much as did the bushy meadows to the right dear to the gunners of norwich who generally get some shooting from boats off here in hard weather bramerton wood's end which used to be a picturesque old white inn on a hillside but which is now spoiled was the first house of entertainment we came to and as it would have grieved the men sorely not to have laid by for a few minutes for a mardle, we assented and got out a little further down is a very well situated rambling old house standing on a sort of cliff above the river along which it commands views both ways and the hillside is a very interesting one to geologists for reasons which i unhappily do not know still it is worth a climb to its ferny top to see the river winding its way like an interminable letter s to the sea a mile or two further down the river we passed surlingham ferry house a little public house in a clump of melancholy looking trees whence a pontoon is worked across the river by a chain and keeping on soon came within hail of brundle which is on the left bank and is the first village of any importance down the river here many yachts and sailing boats are always moored by the bank some being owned by the inhabitants of the pretty red-bricked bungalow-like houses which show on the top of the hill by the railway station for some time to our right on the opposite side of the river we could see the long curiously shaped sheet of water known as surlingham broad and we now ran round the corner past its entrance and past the ferry place with its tinkling bell and stopped for the afternoon at coldham hall why coldham hall should be the earthly paradise of all skippers of yachts and wherrymen is a problem i cannot even attempt to solve it is convenient for brundle station for those who like to start from here and so miss the very prettiest part of the river namely that between this and norwich and there is a boat builder's yard where repairs can be done well and cheaply by gibbs but the public-house itself is with the exception of a bean-feast dining-hall which has been built by the waterside very small and inconvenient though it supplies good food and drink however we settled to stay here thus we found ourselves confronted by most confident opinions on the part of our men that we could not possibly get on though prima facie the tide was falling and the wind fair and here i would give a word of advice to the novice always to give way and defer to his professional navigators as to the hours of starting and stopping and the places of doing so it may be indeed it usually is that the reasons they give are transparently absurd and their motives disgustingly selfish but it is best to dissemble and give way for if you do not sure as eggs are eggs 
which is by no means sure if you buy them at yarmouth you will repent it you will have an accident of some sort the jolly will go adrift or the plank will be forgotten and you will be run on to the rond so firmly by accident that you will be unable to get off till the tide rises this will happen moreover at a spot where you can get no milk and post no letters so we dropped down past the house and the key head and passed three great ricks of coarse marsh hay and moored at the corner of a little dyke wherein lay the swan and her crew whose pleasant accounts of these rivers have brought so many visitors to them that its author ought to be as free as he is welcome to every inn in the neighbourhood we wandered about the little goose green tried quoits and titima torta as the natives call the pastime of seesaw and chaffered for the pick of an uncommonly fine lot of geese one of which was destined for our dinner the athlete thought he had a very easy task when he was deputed to catch that same goose but he was mistaken for it fled for its life over the marshy meadows and so twisted and turned and dodged and ran under forms and rails that it was quite ten minutes before its pursuer red as to his face and violent as to his language managed to fairly run it down and secure it by falling on it heavily while it was being cooked in the house we walked up the avenue to the little village admired the big gloire de dijon rose on the wall of the other inn and went over the local cucumber house which sends up a thousand indigestions a week to covent garden for sixpence we got a straight spiny vegetable as long as your arm fragrant as to its smell with the glistening water drops shining on it everywhere cucumber and hot goose ought to have made us unwell that night but thanks to the keen river air we could have digested anything even one of gladstone's excuses without being the worse for it nothing would content mrs fatima but that we should take one of the jollies and row her about surlingham broad by the light of the moon which was just sinking below the tops of the rushes for the first hour or so nothing could have been more delightful our visitors sang sentimental songs as melodiously as any nightingales and we pulled in and about innumerable odd channels and corners of this very pretty broad every now and again stealing noiselessly up to a big clump of reeds and smacking the water with the blades of our oars on which the starlings got up literally in clouds with a sound of rushing wings utterly indescribable but never to be forgotten at last we began to realise the fact that the moon had gone down and that we had lost ourselves in this aquatic maze also that it was getting uncommonly chilly fatima being in muslin and we males in thin jerseys also that the tide was falling fast 
and that we were on the weeds never before have i for one rowed so hard as i did that awful night to try and get the boat off one particular tenacious patch of weeds we certainly were twenty minutes moving about the length of a dining-room table and then crack went my oar short at the button and we were left with one only the miasma began to rise as the water sunk and the stinking weeds were left uncovered it was a pretty position to be in within half a mile of our boats no possibility of getting out and walking for the mud and the slime was of an unknown depth all round and no chance of getting anyone to come and help us for our yells and cries brought no response luckily however we slid off the edge into something like a channel and at last punted ourselves back very tired and disgusted with our adventure tungate who admitted on our return that he had heard a deal of halloran was engaged in a lively dispute with a strapping big waterman who being slightly inebriated was boasting of his athletic capabilities on which the artful veteran bet him a shilling that he at seventy-six could do something the boaster could not we agreed to see fair and adjourned into the cabin of the lotus wherein the skipper who stands five feet nothing stood upright saying this is what i can do and you can't do i can stand right upright in this here cabin and you can't there would have been a wrangle over this if we had not solved the difficulty by paying the stakes ourselves we stayed up too late that night over whisky and pipes and were deluded into promising to get up before daybreak to go on the broad and try to get some water hens early very early indeed then next morning we were routed out of our comfortable bunks by a curly-headed and pertinacious young ruffian who certainly paddled us and our guns round noiselessly enough but as certainly never even started us a water hen we did not go up to the church as there is nothing much to see but tungate told us a good story as to how when he was last in its churchyard he saw a lot of villagers hanging round the church porch discussing as to which part of the churchyard they would like to be buried in and that one veteran said please god if i live and be well that's where i should like to be buried to understand the joke the reader should know that the expression if i live and be well piously prefaces nearly every wish or intention expressed by the natives soon after starting next morning we passed on the left the entrance marked by a solitary tree of strumshaw broad now nearly all grown up and approached only by a long narrow passage 
up which one can hardly row here must have been once a great place for pike for the skipper on whose veracity i can depend says that when his father and he hired the broad half a century or so ago they once netted seventy-eight pike in a day there it was tack 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 for us down most of the reaches all that day and we made but slow progress and we should have envied the way in which the jenny lind and the jumbo the two great pleasure steamers of the year steadily puffed by us on their way for yarmouth had we been in any hurry to get to that place but we were not and took the tacking in the day's work and had an exciting contest between the two boats in which the lotus won for her little jib was of some use bringing her round each time and she being shorter was handier there were a lot of coot and moorhen about and we got enough to make a respectable pie one was secured in a curious way it had swum across our bows out of shot and gone into some tussocks of grass when we came within shot of it in our next tack i asked the athlete if i should shoot in somewhere where i thought it was and try to put it up for him i did so and nothing stirred but as we passed by the mate called out blame me if you didn't kill him and so it turned out for there it was lying dead with outstretched wings this gained me the title of champion shot for the rest of the voyage for it was rightly admitted that the shooting of him who killed that which he did not see was of a higher order than that of him who simply hit what he saw buckenham ferry is but a public house of the ordinary riverside type and cantley red house only another in a bleak and cold situation the author notes that langley abbey ruins are between these points and though we miss them the visitor should not for they are after castle acre binham and backton the most interesting monastic ruins in the county just past it is a big thorn bush in which i have shivered for several mornings and evenings in the hope of getting a flight shot at duck or plover but never with any luck though it is as likely a spot as any i know the real truth is that on the navigable rivers excepting in exceptional weather the gunner has little chance of getting anything but green plover coot and water hen and perhaps a heron now and then i don't believe blank wild duck or snipe are shot on the open waters of the air during the whole year the author notes i wrote twenty and only withdrew the statement in deference to the opinions of several local proofreaders who ought to know better than i do but don't end of author's note 
of course broads and private waters are quite another thing the devil's house at langley with the usual story of interfered with foundations was the next thing pointed out to us before we came to the mouth of the little river chet or ket up which one might go by river to loddon if one were stupid enough to wish to do so in the angle of the two rivers is the grey shaft of hardly cross which marks the boundary of the city liberties i will in mercy refrain from telling once more the story of the brilliant retort made by a town clerk not the present one when asked what he should do if any one should be wanted to absume or perfy according to the annual declaration for is it not written in all the guide-books we passed several little one-house colonies on the river-bank all very much like one another and generally consisting of a red brick red-tiled cottage or two two ricks of marsh hay a plum and apple and always a bullace tree in a sparse little garden with no fence at all only a dyke at last we came in sight of reedham and stopped for the night above the swing railway bridge alongside a boat-builder's yard splodged all over with daubs of green red and blue where the paint-brushes had been tried and with a high black-tarred fence which refracted the heat upon us as we sat on our cabin tops till we were simply scorched Readham, as to the shipwrecked dane and his dutiful dog and ragnar lothbrog and the rest of it the reader is referred to the guide-books stands on a red-brown furze-grown bank of earth about thirty feet high with one tier of houses on its top and another tier on the water level several of them being built of brick on older flint walls there is not much doing at reedham except by the owners of the woodstack and sawmills which with a long malt house and some waterside laundries seem to command the trade of the place we went up the town and across the fields to see the church which is an extremely fine and curious one with interesting brasses and heard the old story that the barneys or burnies who were baronets here had to wear the bloody hand on their coat of arms as a perpetual remembrance of the cruelty of one of their ancestors who had whipped a boy to dead this brought out a story apropos de rien in particular from the antiquary as to another norfolk family the beavers and as to how a fast young lady asked one of them what his arms were and on being told went on to say oh yes and i suppose your motto is you be damned beaver dam equalling joke then we had a great hunt for fresh meat which we eventually found in small quantities 
only in a stuffy little lattice windowed shed this was to be our last night on board and sooth to say we were not altogether sorry it was to be for we were just about beginning to get mutually tired of one another the novelty of the picnic was beginning to wear out the american developed a habit of sitting on the garden seat in the bows of the zoe and silently spitting for hours a habit which not only polluted the river but made us fairly certain that our efforts to amuse and interest him had become dismal failures mrs fatima palled on us too she was undoubtedly very pretty and very well dressed but was always on her dignity when she was not being flattered by someone and a month is too long to keep on at that game continually an english girl would have assimilated herself better with the habits and customs of her husband's friends but it was no use crying over spilt milk we had just contrived to avoid a tiff and that was something but there was a smell of sulphur in the air the poet who affected decided southern sympathies went about softly but aggressively whistling the bonny blue flag that bears the single star and then profusely apologising for doing so in a way which made us all tremble for an explosion while mrs fatima would ask in the most innocent way as a slashing white-sailed cutter dashed by us with a regular brown-faced girl with bright chestnut hair under a shining round hat at the helm whether the steerer was a girl or a boy asking the question obviously with the idea of insinuating that tomboy would be the right word so we started the next morning through the bridge and passed the garden so noted for its annual blaze of scarlet geraniums all feeling that diplomatic relations were decidedly strained luckily the lady had long expressed a wish to have an english heron's plume and just as we were by the mouth of Braden, up got an old heron not twenty yards from us my gun was in my hand and it was up to my shoulder in a moment for the easiest shot i had ever had for the bird was just flapping up against the wind trying to rise strangely enough the gentle trigger pull brought no response for the gun was on half cock a fact which had escaped me bang bang in my ear went fatiman's double but though he was far the best shot of us he like other good shots will do sometimes missed clean and neat but as his try had the effect of making the heron change its course a bit i had another try this time with success la belle americaine got her wished-for feathers this put her in a more gracious temper and making a good passage over Braden, we were soon in yarmouth 
and over a good dinner at the star parted amicably they to go on to scarborough and we back to london and so ended our voyage End of chapter 11